Hello again, this is Deacon Nathan Allen, and this week we are moving on to Unit 5 of A Primer of Ecclesiastical Latin by John F. Collins. Here is where Latin starts to get difficult. Okay, all right, you probably are thinking, what starts to get difficult? It's already been difficult for four weeks. Well, we're going to be talking this time about verbs in particular. And verbs in any language is where things get complicated. Um, we've had just enough of one verb to make sentences and so forth and get an idea of what they're about with the verb sum, to be. Uh, and remember, all your principal parts, sum esse fui futurus. Remember, those are important when we learn verbs to learn all four principal parts and what we're going to talk about today is going to show why it's important to learn all four principal parts of verbs. And it's a lot easier to learn them now than to try to backfill it later. Okay? Well, let's do a little overview of verbs. Let's go back to, oh, was it in junior high that we talked about verbs in school? A verb is an action word. It symbolizes the action of a sentence, or signals the action of a sentence, or existence, in the case of the verb to be, uh, or something that happens in time. Um, and a typical verb form has, both in Latin and in English, uh, five characteristics. And those characteristics are person, number, tense, mood, and voice. Okay. Person. This, there are three persons, and not just because we are Christians and believe in the Blessed Trinity. There are three persons. First person is the speaker, if you will. It's the I or we. Okay. The second person is the one spoken to, and that's you, either singular or plural in English. Latin makes a distinction between the two. English used to make a distinction between the two. We used to have the uh, singular thou, and the plural was you. Now we'd have to express it in other ways, like we might say, all of you go do something. You know, all of you see what's going on here. You know, uh, we would have to express the, uh, the plural in uh, a special roundabout kind of way. But originally in English, we would have said thou seest, and you see, and one would have been singular and one would, 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 one would have been plural. Uh, Latin has still got that distinction, okay? Um, and then he, she, or it sees, and they see. Those are the singular and the plural in the third person. It's the one uh, about whom, if you will, you're talking about. That's the third person. So first, second, and third person. Uh, every verb is going to have those, all right? And then number, we've kind of touched on that already. The verb form can be either singular or plural. It's either one person or more than one person. Um, where it gets complicated is tense. Tense has two aspects, time, past, present, or future, and also aspect, whether something is kind of just a simple past, present, or, or future tense, 
or if the action that you're talking about kind of took place over time um, and then whether that action took place over time and is completed over time, okay? So, um, in you could talk about, I mean, in our book, Puts on, on page 34, kind of lays out a table of past, present, and future, simple, progressive, and completed. So you could make kind of a grid and have nine different possible uh, tenses of time and aspect. Most languages don't have all nine, but obviously you can express them in different ways. I mean, for example, in English, to build some of these, you'd have to put together, you know, three different verbs coming together in different forms. Like, for example, if you were to express, um, you know, a, 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 a an extended completed tense form, I had been seeing, you know, I'm using the helping verb to have, I'm using the basic verb to be, and then I'm also using a participle seeing, um, in order to, all coming from three different verbs to have, to be, and to see, in order to get that sense, I have, I had been seeing, right? Um, <clears throat> Latin only has six uh, tense forms, and those tense forms, then, some of them will cover two different, you know, uh, of those uh, of those two different possible, uh, or of those of those nine possible, uh, you know, time and aspect grid things. So, for example, the present tense is both the simple present, and our verb example that we're using here is a verb, uh, video, or if we're going to do... Uh, do the verb in its full form, right? Remember, we got to use all the four principal parts. So, video, videre, vidi, visus. Okay. Well, video, I see. Probably guess that from the English word video, although we use it as a noun, right? I see. But it can also have a progressive sense, present progressive sense of I am seeing. You know, you've kind of stretched it out over time. Um... There's a, uh, uh, the, the perfect tense in Latin has a sense of a present completed, I have seen, but it also is the simple past tense, I saw, you know, boom, there's a moment in time I saw. Um, the imperfect tense is also a past tense, and it has that progressive sense, I was seeing, Although often in English, just in the context, we will translate it as I saw because that's how it's used. It's used like a simple past tense. We'll get to that as we, as we learn the, uh, um, the, uh, the imperfect uh, tense. And then there's the pluperfect, which uh, is that sense of a past completed action. So it's a, it's a progressive action already completed in the past. So, I had seen would be an example in English. And in Latin, that we would have used the pluperfect, videram. Um, and then we get to the future. We've got a simple future tense that also is has the sense of that, that progressive future aspect. So, videbo, I will see or I will be seeing. 
And then there's the future perfect. So it's something that is completed in the future. So, uh, videro, I will have seen. Okay. So Latin has three tenses, each to do the work of two categories. The present tense is both the present simple and the present progressive. The perfect tense is both the present completed and the past simple. And the future tense is both the future simple and the future progressive. Um, and then there are three tenses that we've just talked about that do the work of only one of those categories in our three by three grid. The imperfect tense is a past progressive. The pluperfect tense is a past completed. And the future perfect tense is uh, the future completed. A um, bit of uh, uh, grammatical uh, vocabulary here. We talk about these tenses perfect, pluperfect, future perfect. Um, as our note uh, on page 35 and 36 notes, Latin perfectum means to be completed. And uh, so these are, have to do with the action being completed. Pluperfect comes from plusquam perfectum, uh, which is more than completed because it's a past event and it's done in the past. Okay, um, Hence, it's kind of past completed sense. All right. The imperfect comes from imperfectum, not completed, because although it's a past tense, it's got that sense of continuing action um, or habitual action, repeated action. So it's not it's not done, you know. Um, all right. So that is tense. So we've got person, number, tense, with both of its aspects of time and aspect. And then we move on to mood. Mood. This English word doesn't have to do with whether you feel, you know, kind of under the weather and it's a gray, cloudy day and you're thinking, oh, I just have my in the bad mood today. No, mood, this comes from the Latin word uh, uh, modus, which means a, a mode or way of saying something. And in Latin, as in English, there are three moods. There are the indicative, the subjunctive, and the imperative. The indicative is a fact statement, okay? I, it rained yesterday. The car is red, you know. Um, it may be true or it may be false, but it's, it's stating, you know, something. It's indicating something, all right? The subjunctive mood is the hypothetical or contingent. Um, if I were a rich man, if I were an eccentric millionaire, and I'd be very good at that job, by the way, um, okay, uh, the, you know, that would be the subjunctive mood. And notice how in English, if we're using it properly, a lot of times in our colloquial English, we won't make a distinction between the subjunctive present and the, um, and the past tense. So although it would be correct in English to say, if I were a rich man, a lot of times we say, if I was a rich man, you know, um, but uh, uh, that's using the subjunctive mood, okay? So it's expressing contingency or hypothetical action. Um, you know, it's kind of the may it be sort of thing. Um, 
And then finally, the imperative mood is, as you can imagine, imperative. It's a command or a request. You would use the same uh, form. So, pray for me. That's a command. Have mercy on me is a request. But they're both in the imperative mood. Okay? And then we come to the fifth of the uh, different um, aspects of or characteristics of a verb. And that's voice. And again, English and Latin do the same thing here. Verb forms in both English and Latin can have two voices, the active and the passive. The active voice, it's the subject of the sentence that is doing the action. So, I am reading. I read the book. I threw the ball. That's active. I fed the cat. That's active. The passive is where the subject of the sentence is having the action done to it. So, active. I fed the cat. Passive. The cat was fed by me. Okay? Um, very simple. Now, later on in Latin, I'm not sure we're going to get to that in this Latin 1 course, but some verbs will take the passive form. They'll look passive in the way they're, they're, they're conjugated, but they'll have an active meaning. Those are called deponent verbs, and they can throw people off a lot. But put that aside for now. They'll still be very regular. Uh, but you just have, when they come up, you'll learn that they are deponent verbs. That means they look passive, but they're actually active in meaning. But for right now, uh, keep that in mind that an active verb is, uh, is one where the subject is doing the action, and a passive verb is one where the subject is being acted upon by someone or something else. All right. So those are the five characteristics of verbs. Same as in English, uh, as in Latin. So that should be helpful. Then we move on to the, the principal parts. Remember I talked about when you learn a verb, learn all four principal parts. Uh, because those will be where you'll get the stems for, uh, for each of the, the, for conjugating in the different tenses and moods and voices and so forth. Uh, the uh, the verb. Incidentally, before we get much too uh, much further into verbs, I want to recommend a resource for you. Um, I know that it is they're presently coming up with a second edition that should be out soon. You can probably find the first edition in uh, in used bookstores or whatever. Um, if you've ever studied a foreign language, and uh, one of the really useful tools is, uh, they're published by Barron's, is the name, with two R's, uh, Barron's Educational Series. They have a series of books, and for every language that they have, of 501 verbs fully conjugated. And they do have a volume, 501 Latin verbs fully conjugated in all the tenses. Very helpful, because then with these 501 common verbs, you can look it up and you can see all of their forms across all of the tenses and cases, or tenses and, and, uh, um, uh, um, and moods and voice, okay? Um, and another useful resource 
uh, is online and free to use, and that is called Whitaker's Words, or William Whitaker's Words. It's uh, run on a website out of the University of Notre Dame, and it's basically an online dictionary. You know, I mean, there are better dictionaries. Obviously, there are good book dictionaries, the great uh, um, uh, um, uh, and a number of different Latin dictionaries you can use. Uh, but um, in uh, Whitaker is really good because if you come across a Latin word, you don't know which you know, which uh, form it is, um, especially like with some of these irregular verbs, you may not be able to guess what it is or with some of the nouns, you know, that maybe don't follow a particular conjugation or in a conjugation that you don't recognize. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, I said conjugation, I meant declension. You conjugate verbs, you decline nouns. I misspoke, sorry. Um, you can look it up and it'll tell you all the different grammatical forms uh, that that word would have, you know, so that you look up, you know, uh, so for example, if you enter domino, for example, it would tell you this could be uh, um, uh, the, the uh, second declension masculine, uh, and it would be, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, dative singular and the ablative singular, for example. All right, those are some useful uh resources. I, I can't recommend highly enough the 501 Latin verbs if you really want to go on in Latin because, again, it breaks them all down, shows all their forms. Uh, very helpful. All right, back to the class. <laughs> this, the principal parts. Um, verbs in English and Latin will, you know, have basic forms and you do the things to them uh, you know, uh, uh, by dropping uh, endings to get to the stem. Um, in Latin, the four principal parts uh, are the first person singular present indicative active. The, you know, I see for the verb video. Um, keep in mind, and this is how they're, you're going to find them in dictionaries, Okay. Uh, and with a verb like video, that's pretty clear because they all start with that, you know, all four principal parts start with that VI. So, I mean, you know, it'd be pretty obvious. But as we saw with the verb sum, esse, hui, futurus, if you didn't know that the verb to be in the first person singular, present indicative active was sum, you'd have no idea where to find it. Okay. Um, so it, its first form is always that first person singular, present indicative active. The second principal part is the present infinitive. In English, we express an infinitive by putting the word to in front of it. It's called an infinitive because unlike video, which has to have a specific person and a specific number, and a specific tense, an infinite, and so therefore it's finite because it's, you know, it's limited in that regard. Um, an infinitive can apply to anything. So it's not limited in that regard. That's what we call the infinitive. So videre is the present infinitive active to see. 
And then the next principal part is the first person singular perfect indicative active. So this for video, videre, vidi, visus, that is vidi. And this means I saw in the simple past tense, or I have seen in that completed uh, um, uh, present tense. Okay. And then finally, we get to the fourth principle part, visus, the perfect passive participle, having been seen. Um, now, why do we have these four principle parts? Because, again, every form of the verb can be formed from one of these by dropping the ending and adding on whatever, you know, to, to find the base and then add the, the stem and then add on uh, the, uh, the ending to it. All right. So when you learn a verb, learn all four principal parts because uh, that'll be necessary as you go forward with Latin. All right. Well, we talked about the finite forms, the infinite form, in, infinitive forms. Um, in, incidentally, um, the infinitive is often can be seen as sort of the, the, the verb kind of acts, can act kind of like a noun or a, a predicate um, adjective in a way. Uh, so that, uh, you know, even in, in English as well, I mean, think of, you know, you could use a verb in the infinitive as the subject of a sentence. To err is human, right? I've taken the verb to err and I put it, kept it in its infinitive form and treated it as a noun. I could also do that with a participle, although participles are often treated like adjectives too. So I could say, um, making a mistake is human. Well, I've taken the verb to make, and I put it in the participle making, but I've treated that as a noun in the sentence. And you can do the same thing in Latin. Okay, so the infinitives and participles. All right. Now, English has only two participles, a present and a past, although footnote here on page 38, uh, Collins notes that some grammarians dispute this because it's not really, uh, um, or dispute the, these, these terms is unsatisfactory because it's really not past tense or you know, past participle or present participle. Um, but, uh, but you might think of them as the, the forms, uh, the, the, the present uh, participle would be the ing kind of words and the past participle is often ones that end in you know ed or you know in a case like burnt you know with a t uh and so forth um latin has four kinds of participles present active perfect passive future active and future passive. Now in English, we don't have obviously words that'll map up word for word like that. We may have to get around it by saying some it in a different way. Um, but, uh, 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 you know, by using helping verbs and so forth, just as we, as we saw, we did with, you know, the, the perfect passive participle or they with uh, uh, you know having been seen or something like that you know rather than simply having a word for it, and then we get to gerunds and gerundives. 
Uh, English and Latin both have gerunds. These are nouns that are formed from verbs. Okay, so uh, skiing is fun. I hate washing dishes. All right. English doesn't have a gerundive. In Latin, it's identical with the future passive participle. And it has that sense of having to be seen kind of, you know. Uh, we'd, you know in English, we could approximate it by using helping verbs and so forth and get kind of going around uh, and uh, in sort of a, a, a uh, an extended way to get a, to get there eventually in the end in our in our English all right so uh, so far I mean this this seems like it's got some complications to it but English does the same thing with a lot of these things all right one thing though and here is going to be a major feature of Latin that we don't have in English, and that is conjugations. We can conjugate verbs in English, but we don't have set patterns of, you know, where verbs fall into set categories. Um, Latin, there are four conjugations. Every verb, except for the ones that are irregular, like sum, um, are going to fall within one of these four categories. They're called conjugations. Con from cum, with, and the jugation from yugo, which is a verb you'll, you'll learn later, which means to, to bind together. It's related to our English word yolk individually, like, I mean, not like what's in the middle of an egg, but like a yolk of oxen. Uh, uh, it, when you, if you go back far enough into, you know, proto-Indo-European uh, uh, language, uh, they'd be the same word. Incidentally, it's also the same word from Proto-Indo-European as the word yoga, because yoga is about discipline, and, uh, and you know, and, and that has that same sense. Anyway, all right, I'm going off on a, on a tangent there, uh, but that's what you signed up for with me. Um, all right, um, so a conjugation you're putting the pieces together. You're putting the stem together with the endings to get, you know, and the tense markers and so forth. That's why they're called conjugations. And there are four of them. The first conjugation, oh, incidentally, and how you can tell which conjugation you're in is, again, knowing your four principal parts, it's going to be the second principal part, which is the uh, the infinitive, the, the present infinitive, right? Um the present infinitive active specifically. So uh, the first conjugation, if you look at that, notice how they all, the infinitives end in RE, but there's a vowel in front of it. So the penultimate syllable in each of them, the first conjugation is a long letter A, an A with a macron over it. The second conjugation is an E with a macron over it. The third conjugation is an E without a macron. And so that's why, again, I'll stress what I've said in the previous weeks. When you're learning words, even though you won't see them written this way in a Latin text with the macrons on them, learn the word with the macron because it's important for knowing where the uh, stress is going to be on, you know, the, which syllable to stress. Uh, but it's also going to be important when you get into verbs like this 
being able to tell whether it's a second conjugation or a third conjugation verb because they decline they, they conjugate differently okay so um, in modern uh, um, romance languages uh, the 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 two have kind of collapsed together and so I know in French for example you have your AR verbs your ER verbs and your IR verbs in Latin though we've got ARE verbs E, long e are e verbs, short e are e verbs, and then i are e verbs would be the uh, the fourth conjugation. So if you know the second principal part of the verb, you can tell which conjugation it's going to be in, and that's going to tell you how uh, the verb uh, conjugates in all its forms. Okay, so when we look at the verb that we've been exposed to right here, video, videre, visi, visus, vidi, visus, you, you see that that verb to see is a second conjugation verb. Okay. Um, the present stem system for conjugation in all four conjugations, so this is helpful that it's across all verbs the present the stem of the present infinitive which is that second principal part is the source of the three tenses the present the imperfect and the future so you get the present which is you know usually the the the, the present simple but it's also got that present uh, um, progressive going on the uh, the imperfect which is uh, that progressive past tense, although sometimes it's in English you'd translate it by using just a simple past tense, and then the future tense, which has that simple uh, future or that progressive future aspect to it, all those are formed from uh, the, the, uh, pre the uh, indicative, that second principal part. Okay, So let's learn how the present indicative active of the first conjugation is formed. Remember, the first conjugation are those verbs that where the penultimate syllable of the infinitive is a long A. Um, and so here's our example, uh, a, a first verb that we're going to learn in that in the first conjugation. Laudo, laudare, laudavi, laudatus. Laudo, I praise. Laudare, to praise. Laudavi, I praised. Laudatus, uh, I uh, having been praised. Okay. Notice, incidentally, we talked about um, first and second uh, declension adjectives last time. That fourth principal part is from the, a verb, but it can, it can almost be treated like an adjective. Um, you know, it, it's that sense of kind of like, if you, well, this is going to be weird, but, you know, the, the, the man who has been praised, or the praised man, you know, you're using the verb uh, as an adjective, modifying uh, um, the, uh, the noun. So, just as an aside, laudatus, that's the masculine form. What do you expect the feminine and the neuter form would be? 
I'm glad you know. It's uh, laudatus would be masculine, laudata would be feminine, and laudatum would be the neuter, if you were modifying a, a, a noun with that form. All right, well, back to our book. Laudo, laudare, laudavi, laudatus. The present infinitive is laudare. So the present stem, drop the re and you get lauda. And then you add the active personal endings, which are o, s, t, mus, tis, and nt. So the first person singular, lauda plus an o, well, the a kind of goes away because laudao would just, wouldn't work. Anyway, so it becomes laudo. The second person singular, you just add that s to it, and so it becomes laudas. The third person singular, laudat. The first person plural, laudamus. The second person plural, laudatis. The third person plural, laudant. Now, but because um, when you put those together, the, the A becomes a, a, a short A because you've got kind of a double uh, consonant after it. So, laudant. All right, so that's our paradigm for the present indicative active in the first conjugation. Laudo, laudas, laudat. Laudamus, laudatis, laudant. So with any verb in the first conjugation, and you can tell that again because you look at its infinitive and you can see a long A before the RE, um, that's how it would be formed. Okay, The endings T and NT always cause the A in the stem to shorten. Um, When we do use the, the present simple translations, uh, you know, you can use that progressive I am praising rather than I praise. Again, depending on the context, what would put it best into English? It, the Latin can bear both meanings. Um, English relies principally on pronouns to express person and number, although our verbs have that in it. Um, Latin, the pronoun is completely uh, um, unnecessary because it's built right into the verb. So in Latin, there are pronouns. In Latin, when the pronoun is used, it's, um, it, it is used either to clarify um, or it is used to emphasize. So when Jesus says in the Latin uh, translation, the Vulgate of the New Testament, ego sum, he's saying, I am. He's emphasizing that it's about him. If he simply said sum, that would mean I am, but without any kind of emphasis to it. But by saying ego sum, uh, he's, uh, he's emphasizing it. Okay? Um, a note on word order in Latin. In English, word order is really important because English is no longer an inflected language in our nouns. We maintain 
three cases in our pronouns, but in our nouns, we're generally, you know, how you tell which part of speech uh, a noun is, uh, is by generally its position in the sentence. In Latin, that's far less necessary because it's an inflected language. You can tell by the endings what part of speech it is usually. And so Latin has a great deal more flexibility. In English, if I said, I, uh, um, uh, Jim threw the ball, right? That means something entirely different than the ball threw Jim, <laughs> okay? But uh, in Latin, because you'd be using the nominative for the subject, and you'd be using the accusative for the direct object, you could put them in any order you want. You could say, uh, Jim, the ball threw. You could say, the ball threw Jim. Um, you know, you, you could put them in any order you wanted because uh, uh, what, who's doing the action, what the action is, and to whom or what the action is being done is all expressed in the word itself. It's not that case in English. I mean, in our pronouns, again, we do have cases. So if I say, um, uh, I hit him, I could say him hit I, and you'd understand what I meant, but uh, uh, it would be weird <laughs> in English. But in Latin, it wouldn't be weird. Okay? Now, that said, Latin the, has a kind of a natural default word order that's normal and natural, although they'll vary it for sometimes emphasis, sometimes clarity, uh, sometimes just because it sounds good, okay? Uh, but generally speaking in Latin, where English goes subject, object, or subject, verb, object. In Latin, generally, uh, you will go um, uh, uh, subject, object, verb. Okay. So when you move the verb into a different position, um, you're doing it for a slight emphasis, perhaps, or clarity, or something like that, or just to vary up the sentence and make it, you know, sound more elegant. Um, there are obviously uh, some clear uh, uh, limitations. Um, prepositions precede their cases, obviously. Um, that's what preposition means. It goes in front of, right? Prepositioned. Um, and attributive act adjectives are kept near their substantive. I mean, sometimes it can be baffling where you separate two connected words by half a sentence. You know, it's not ungrammatical, but it would make things hard to understand. Um, so they're generally kept close by. Um, a beginning, your beginning students, so I caution you as uh, Collins does in the bottom of page 40, um, don't expect English word order to be followed in a Latin sentence. Latin's a different language. Um, look for the word endings and analyze the sentence in Latin. 
But keep in mind, there is a kind of a natural sentence order in Latin, and verbs tend to come at the end, which is different from English. Okay. All right, a few minor grammatical points before we move on to uh, our vocabulary um, for the day, for this week. Um, just as in English, Latin has coordinating words that can kind of connect different clauses together, and even different independent clauses that if they were left by themselves would be a single sentence but you can join them into a sentence by a connecting clause. We've learned one of them, nam, meaning for, you know, or you know, on account of the fact that kind of sense of for. And so here's a sentence, you know, populus deum laudat, nam bonus est. Okay, we've got two sentences here, populus deum laudat, right? The people praise God. And then we have another sentence, bonus est, he is good. Right, But by putting nam in between them, we can connect them together into a single sentence. They still remain independent clauses, uh, but they can be joined together. All right, that's not a big deal. We do that in English all the time with words like and and but or for or not or what or, you know, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, things like that, right? Um, and then here are a couple of, of case notes. We've kind of covered this already. The accusative as direct object, that's the usual form for the accusative. Uh, it's the, the thing that the action is being done to in this case. So in our little fragment here, our sentence, populus deum laudat, the people, that's a subject, praise, what are they praising? They're praising God, right? That's why deum is in the accusative, all right? And then dative is indirect object. This is, again, the very common form of dative. Remember, uh, with Latin, uh, the prepositions might often, well, we would, in English, we would always need a preposition, or almost always. In Latin, the preposition can be built into uh, the case of the noun. And when you're dealing with the dative, the dative almost has a sense of two or four with it. So um, dative as indirect object has got that sense of two in it. Um, magister puero premium, premium dot. The teacher is giving or a reward to the boy. Okay, puero, to the boy. Um, so in English, we put the preposition to in front of it except in our pronouns, because in our pronouns we have a, uh, um, uh, uh, we have case. And so we could say, the teacher gave him a reward, right? Gave him a reward. Or we could say, gave a reward to him. Um, and use the preposition, but in Latin you can do it with or without the preposition as well. All right. Incidentally, in order to make that sentence, you see we were introduced to the verb do, dare, dedi, datus. Okay, you look at that and you say, oh, what conjugation are we in? We're in the first conjugation. Although, because the word is so short, um, instead of a long A on the penultimate, it's a short A, but it's still first declension. Okay. Now, um, Ablative of separation, this is just that sense of, again, 
ablative as with all the ca- the uh, you know the the objective cases the uh, the dative and uh, um, and the uh, um, and the uh, and the uh, ablative um, the there's a kind of an understood preposition in front of it I mean you can use a preposition as well to clarify things but if you don't the ablative has that sense of by with or from so if I'm using this what he calls what Collins calls this ablative of separation verbs that are freeing or separating or depriving or something like that you can use the ablative either with or without a preposition like ab or ex so the example he gives is Dominus populum malo liberat, or a malo liberat. The Lord frees his people from evil. Okay? And here we're introduced to another verb. Libero. Liberare. Liberavi. Liberatus. What is it? It's first conjugation. How can you tell? Because the second principal part, which is the, uh, the infinitive stem, the infinitive form, uh, has a long A before the RE. Okay. Um, and then here's a point on compounding verbs. Prepositions as prefixes. English does this too. Latin does it a lot. And so sometimes you may, you know, you're looking in your 501 uh, verbs, uh, Latin verbs book, or you're looking in your dictionary and you can't find this verb. What is this verb? look at maybe maybe it's got one of these prepositions attached to it and so you can if you strip that away you can see what the base form is and then you'd find that one okay um and the prepositions will kind of their form might change depending on what the verb is what the verb starts with uh, and so uh, uh, it may not be quite so obvious, um, but uh, ah or ab or abs uh, can sometimes is often in that form, but sometimes also becomes an ow just when it connects to to uh, to something. Um, uh, and odd becomes ah ak ad af ag al an, <laughs> depending on what the verb that it's attached to starts with. Okay, circum becomes circu or circum. Contra doesn't really change. Cum with uh, takes several different forms. You know, uh, co, co, col, com, con, cor, so forth. Um, so you've got a list of of them here. These are prepositions that we've learned in our vocabulary. Often when they're connected to a word. To a verb, they will change its meaning slightly. Sometimes it's just a matter of emphasis. Sometimes it's a matter of intensifying something. Um, so there's a verb we haven't learned yet here, but but um, uh, it comes up all the time in the Psalms. If you're praying the Psalms, exaudi, domine, you know, hear me, O Lord. Well, audi means hear. Exaudi has that because it's 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 adding that preposition x to it it intensifies it so it's like hear me favorably if we were putting into english 
Um, so that'll change the meaning. And we do this, uh, you know, book says we do this in English all the time, too. Is, I mean, we, we might talk about the difference between overturning and, you know, uh, uh, and upturning, for example, are pretty close. But if you said, you know, there's a difference between, um, you know, uh, um, cutting up or cutting down, <laughs> they have very different meanings, right? Um, all right. So, the, yeah, the spelling will assimilate differently depending on what the, the, the verb form is, and there might be a vowel shift and so forth. All right, when compounded, these verbs will sometimes shift their internal vowels. So, again, another first, declension, first conjugation verb, sacro, sacrare, sacravi, sacratus, to make holy or to consecrate. When you add the preposition cum, you get consecro, consecro, consecrare, consecravi, consecratus. Notice both the cum changes and the sacro changes, right? Um, uh, consecro. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the frequency of compound verbs in Latin, this is a distinctive feature, not only of ecclesiastical Latin, but of Latin generally. You'll see this a lot. Okay. Um, so it, it, it looks like there's a whole pile of verbs. The nice thing is you can learn a verb and you've probably learned six um, with their, their slightly different flavors of meaning. All right. And then finally, when you're reading a Latin sentence, we've kind of been doing this all along, but parse the sentence. Find out what is, what, what part of speech, you know, look at the endings of things to find out what's going on. So... Um, sometimes it's not clear. I like going to the verb first. Why? Because the verb is going to tell me whether my subject is plural or singular. And it's going to tell me whether my subject is, uh, if it's first person, then I'm probably not, you know, then, uh, then uh, I don't have to look necessarily for a noun, perhaps. Maybe I do it's used as a predicate. Um, but I like going to the verb first because that gives me clues to find out what my subject is, and it might also give me clues as to what my object, direct object or indirect object, is going to be um, because, uh, uh, you know, it would be an unusual thing for a ball to do any kind of praising, but I might praise a ball if I thought, this is a really good ball, you know. Um, uh, okay, so, um, uh, but when you're parsing the sentence, it's, it's helpful to find out what, what, what are the individual, what, what part of speech is each word? So, a nice short sentence, populus deum laudat, okay? Well, populus is the nominative singular masculine from the noun populus populi, people, right? And we have our English word populus, population, all right? Same word. Deum is in the accusative singular masculine from Deus Dei, right? It's the direct object of the verb. And then laudat is third person singular. Why is the third person singular present indicative active of the verb laudo, laudare, laudavi, laudatus? 
because it agrees in number with the subject, populus, which is singular, and it's third person because it makes a direct statement about the subject, uh, uh, indicating what the subject is doing, namely praising, right? Um, and is active because the action is passing from the subject to the object. So you look at the words, you see what what thing, what is each word doing in the sentence? Okay. Master of Latin is a matter of analysis. And, you know, it's, you know, so don't guess when you're doing your translations. Now, sometimes a very hyper-literal translation of Latin is going to be really clumsy English. And so then you might go from there to make to say the state the you know get the idea once you once you know what each element means then to put it into idiomatic english you might modify it smooth it out a bit um but i think it's helpful to do a literal analysis uh when you're trying to understand what each word is doing in that sentence okay moving on to our vocabulary we have a combination of a lot of uh of first uh, conjugation verbs, and then um, you know we're going to get a few more uh, um, nouns and and uh, uh, and adjectives as well. So and and adverbs to kind of give us some more vocabulary to work with. So, um, ambulo, ambulare, ambulavi, ambulatus, to walk, to take a walk. But in a metaphoric sense, it means to live, just as in English, uh, you know, we might talk about uh, um, uh, he really walks the walk, you know, he lives a good life, right? English words that are related or, uh, to, uh, to this, uh, to um, ambulo, um, amble, you know, to kind of walk aimlessly, right? Um, ambulance. Because an ambulance originally would have been the stretcher that two people walking would have carried <laughs> to carry the person, you know, uh, um, the, the sick person to, to where they need to take, uh, take him or her. And then we have perambulator or pram in, in, in English uh, comes from, uh, from this word. You know, that's the baby buggy. Um, okay. Canto cantare, cantavi cantatus. Notice all of these are following that same pattern. These are all first conjugation verbs. This means to sing, right? And so we have, you know, chant, cantata, uh, cant, you know, it's like um, in the sense of like, uh, um, you know, somebody's kind of saying something that is not all that believable sort of can't. It's, uh, it ultimately derives from, from, from this verb. Okay. We talked about do, dare, dedi, datus. Notice that it's a little different because it's a short word, so it's dare instead of dare, you know, the long A. Um, this means to give, and, uh, and so we have, um, uh, in English, for example, um, uh, datum, Right, because we remember the uh, that uh, that fourth principle part, we're giving it in the masculine form, but it can be treated like a like an adjective. So, the masculine form would be datus, 
the feminine form would be data, and the neuter form would be datum. Datum, plural, data, is something given. Um, you know, it, the, it, it's not like I made it up. It was given by the experiment. That's, uh, um, that's what data means. Okay, and that comes from this verb. Um, also, words like donation, donate, um, you know, uh, uh, donor, all those come from this same uh, 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 verb, dono, donare, donavi, donatus, um, which is related to, obviously, do, dare, dedi, dadus, right? To, so the difference between uh, give and grab, they're related words. Um, laudo, laudare, laudavi, laudatus, we talked about that. We have in English, uh, what's a good word? Lauds is uh, a morning prayer in the Liturgy of the Hours um, or, or the Divine Office. Um, um, Something is, you know, a, 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 a laudatory statement is a praising statement. Okay, um, all glory, laud, and honor to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, um, now notice how uh, we can intensify it by adding the preposition cum to it, which then kind of. Uh, um, uh, uh, assimilates to the the verb laudo and so we get collaudo collaudare collaudavi collaudatus praise exceedingly or literally praise together okay um libero liberare liberavi liberatus free right we get our word liberty um liberate deliver um, opero, operare, operavi, operatus is to work. Uh, we get operate, obviously, and from the noun form, we get opus, which is the noun form. We also get opera, <laughs> um, which is a, a work of, of art. Um, okay. Um, oro, orare, oravi, oratus. This is to pray. Right, and so we have a word um, orator or oratorio, um, oration, um, orison. Nymph in all thine orisons be, be my sins remembered, says Hamlet, I think, if I remember it correctly, uh, when he asks Ophelia to pray for him. Um, so in all your prayers, all your orisons. Uh, notice, though, that we can add prepositions to these. And so if we add, um, if we, if we add ad to, to, uh, oro, we get adoro, adorare, adoravi, adoratus, to worship or to adore. Again, and there's our English word adore, that comes straight from it, right? Um, Exoro, exorare, exoravi, exoratus, to beseech, okay? Uh, and so we're, we're adding a different, um, you know, uh, uh, preposition to it. 
Regno regnare regnavi regnatus, to rule or to reign, and obviously reign comes from regno. Um, it is a verb formed from that noun that we learned, regnum, uh, kingdom, uh, and obviously is related to a word we're going to le learn much later, rex, <laughs> which is king, but also the word we've also we've learned its feminine form, regina, queen, right? To rule or to reign. Um, sacro, sacrare, sacravi, sacratus, to make holy or to consecrate. And again, if we add cum to it, we get kind of a, uh, um, a slightly different sense to it, to make holy, to consecrate. Kind of maybe intensifies it a little bit. I don't know. It's basically the same word, same meaning. Um, servo, servare, servavi, servatus. To keep or to preserve. Notice we in English, if we put pre in front of the preposition pre in front of it, we get preserve. And that actually gets us closer to the meaning of servo, which is to keep or to preserve. Um, our word service is related, related to this, um, uh, you know, um, or servant and so forth. Kind of think about, though, that the, serv the servant is kind of keeping, <laughs> keeping you uh, 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 in check, you know, by keeping everything, keeping everything going. Anyone who's got a good assistant, you know, if you're a professional and you've got, you know, I mean, a a lawyer without a good paralegal is going to be a floundering around, you know, a dentist without a good hygienist, uh, you know, doctors without good nurses and so forth. I mean, um, so, uh, um, in the same way we might think of that as a servant, you know, I don't know if you read the novels of PG Woodhouse, if you, if you don't, you should, they're absolutely screamingly funny, brilliant uh, English writer from the 20th century. Uh, anyway, his famous characters, Jeeves and Wooster. Wooster is this young man about town, and Jeeves is the absolutely perfect valet, or as he calls himself, a gentleman's personal gentleman. And of course, Bertie Wooster would be completely inept without uh, Jeeves to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Um, so anyway, that's the sense of, of servo, servare, servavi, servatus, to keep or to preserve. Again, we can add prepositions to it. Conservo, conservare, conservavi, conservatus, to keep or to preserve. Um, and then observo, observe, right? We get that English word. Uh, um, you know that oh and incidentally conservo we get conserve um that same sense of keeping or preserving right observo observare observavi observatus to watch or to observe kind of watch over right again which has some of that sense of keeping or preserving um voco vocare vocavi vocatus to call or to invite um we have, you know, words in English like vocalize, vocation, or vouch, for example, uh, all come from, from this, this sense of calling or inviting. Um, evoco, which we get our English word evoke, right? Evoco, evocare, evocavi, evocatus, to call forth. 
um, invoke, invoco, invocare, invocavi, invocatus, to invoke, to call upon, right? Our English word is the same as that. Okay, enough of verbs. Um, but notice, again, I want to stress that point. You can combine a lot, you can make a ton of different verbs by adding prepositions to the verb, and they'll sometimes modify uh, as they assimilate uh, their consonants and vowels together. Uh, but you can form a whole bunch of different verbs with slightly different or completely different senses to them uh, um, uh, in Latin, even more so than you can in English. All right, here's a word that, you know, stella, stelle. Okay, back to, back to something we know so well, the first declension, feminine nouns. Stella, stelle is a star. Obviously, we have words stellar, you know, uh, constellation, uh, and so forth. Uh, um, the name Stella uh, come from this, this word. Um, via, via, another first declension, uh, feminine noun, way or road or street. Um, famulus, famuli. This is another word for servant. Remember, we've already had servus and we had puer with a, that sense of, of, of servant as well as boy. Uh, here we have another one, famulus, famuli, and there will be a feminine form of it that you don't learn here, uh, famula, famu, uh, uh, famule. Um, and this is related to our word family, familia. Um, it's a household servant, really, uh, um, rather than a field hand kind of person. This word comes up in the Roman canon if you listen to, if you hear the mass said in Latin, um, famulorum famularumque, uh, for your servants and your handmaids, and also your handmaids, right? F uh, um, of your servants and of your handmaids, famulorum. Famularumque. Remember, we learned que as in one of the many ways to say and in Latin. Um, documentum documenti. This is a neuter noun in the second declension. It means an example. Obviously, we get our English word document from it, uh, more in the sense of like a legal exhibit, uh, but uh, documentum is an example. Um, principium. Principii, another neuter, second declension noun, meaning the beginning. We have English words principle, uh, like first principles, uh, for example. Um, uh, and uh, then uh, benedictus, this is an adjective. Benedictu, first and second declension adjective. So we get benedictus, benedicta, benedictum, which means uh, blessed, um, it's obviously formed out of two words, bene and dictus, something well spoken of, <laughs> okay? To speak well of something is to bless it. Um, we don't learn the word here, but if you added male in front of the dictus to speak, the, get the opposite, male dictus, cursed, said ill of, remember we learned the we learned that that male uh, last time. Um, mala, uh, mal, uh, malus, mala, malum. Um, 
Ob- here we get a name, Benedict. It means blessed. Um, divinus divina divinum divine okay justus justa justum righteous or just sanctus sancta sanctum is hallowed holy uh, related to um, our word saint and sanctify Um, when it's used as a substantive that it's used to describe someone, you would use, like, for example, if you're talking about St. Agnes, you would say, Sancta Agnes. If you're talking about my hometown here of St. Paul, Minnesota, you would, it's uh, Sanctus Paulus. Okay? So we use that to mean saint. Um, here's a coordinating conjunction, enim. It's post-positive, meaning it's never the first word of its clause. Um, And it means for or indeed. So, again, in the mast, hoc est enim corpus meus, for this is my body. Okay? But it's not enim hoc est corpus meus, because it's post-positive. It's never in the first position in the clause. Um... Merito is an adverb meaning rightly or deservedly, and obviously our word merit is raised, is re- related to that. Numquam means never. Um, <laughs> joke uh, sentence. Numquam, uh, draco dormiens numtam titulandus, never tickle it. Sleeping dragon. <laughs> okay. Um, numquam is an adver- adverb. Never. Nunc means now. Um, quoque is another uh, um, way of saying and, and, but this is intensifying. Uh, it means to or also. Have you ever heard... Um, like one of the one of the uh, 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 the informal logical fallacies is what's called tu quoque. Um, well, you too, you know. So if somebody's saying, you know, what what uh, uh, what this particular political party did in this last election was really reprehensible, and the and the response is, yeah, but the other guys did it too. Well, yeah, maybe they did, but that doesn't mean that it was good, right? It's a, it's an informal logical fallacy, um, uh, so uh, that's what quoque is that that sense of of two also. Um, my sons and I a few years ago were joking that it would be kind of funny to have a U two tribute band that took, you know, the the Irish rock group U two, and we did did all the songs, translated them in Latin, and the name of the band would be Two Quoque U two. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that wasn't all that funny. Um, and then finally, semper, always. Well, we get, you know, sempiternal, um, or the Marine Corps, uh, um, motto, semper fi, which is actually short for semper fidelis, always faithful. Um, yeah. So, very good. We've covered a lot in Unit 5 with verbs here, um, and uh, uh, so we've got the basic outline of what verbs look like, and you've learned the present uh, indicative active 
of, of the first conjugation. Um, so for your homework, um, pages 46 and 47, do the drills. Um, write out the different forms of the verbs because, uh, you know, just, just get that into your head. Um, uh, for the exercises, go ahead and do all of them. Uh, we'll kind of look at the ones that that maybe seem the more interesting, if there are some that, that seem more interesting grammatically or a little more tricky. If you have any questions for me, um, please, as we've done before, email them to me <coughs> at alann at archspm.org. Um, and uh, uh, try to get them to me by the middle of the week so that I can prepare a short podcast that we can drop uh, at the end of the week, um, answering any specific questions you might have, and then also, you know, doing uh, um, uh, some of these exercises. Um, very good. God bless you. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you next time.